BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That's a good answer, man. That, um, that gratitude thing goes along a longer way than people expect it. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Matter of fact, that, that's a better answer than mine. I, I like, I like the, I, I like that idea. You know, you know, especially dealing with how chaotic the world is. If you're grateful for the little things, it's um, and we, I think we talked about this on the previous podcast. Just, just the small things, man. That kind of makes life worth living for. You know? Yeah. And and that that gratitude, not always thinking that you know the world owed you something or. You, you're defeated by it, but being thankful for the things that you do have, because you know, what else is there? What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 187. I swear to God, they just keep flying by. Today, I have Mr. David Lilly with me. I was on his podcast, and I figured that I would um, return the favor um, as a fellow artiste, except for um, a little bit of a you know heavy-handed musician, and he is a what seems like a beautifully talented painter. Um, how you doing today, man? Dude, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having on. I appreciate you returning the favor. Um, people like us, we got to stick together, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of... It's a hard world out there. So. Yeah, yeah. I get frustrated with uh, podcasters who don't lift up um, other boats because, um, you know, I yeah. truly do believe a rising tide lifts all boats. And um, right. if you see another boat drowning, you should probably pick them the fuck up. No, I'm not saying that any of us podcasters are drowning. But, you know, if you think there's good people doing no. good work out there, always give them a little boost. That's fine. I might be drowning. I don't know. if we've... <laughs> I might actually be happening. No, it's it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I'm with that. I think I, I think. Uh, with the podcasting thing, because there's so much content creation, so many people out there. I mean, everybody and their mom's a podcaster now. And yeah. so uh, I like I like having a community of people around that's been like, well, I'm doing this thing, too. You want to you want to hang out with me while we do the same thing we normally do? Like, yeah, that sounds like a good time. Um, <laughs> so I'm all for it. Yeah, all nice. for it, man. Yeah, dude, I, I completely agree. Um, it, it's kind of cool because it's like I almost have an excuse to talk to awesome people that I actually pretty much regularly keep up with anymore. And um you know, also get a chance to kind of pick the brains of people that I really, really admire. Um, and I, I think um, as people see throughout this episode, I think yourself is going to be included in there. So um, yeah. I guess um, first things first, you aren't like explicitly <laughs> libertarian, although you said you kind of shifted over to being libertarian after kind of learning about Larry Sharp. Um, we're already a few minutes in. We didn't do like a good introduction. So um, dude, that, guess, that's a perfect, yeah. no, no, it's perfect, dude. That's a perfect, dude, I, yeah. I need, I need no introduction. I am, <laughs> everyone knows who I am. It's cool. Uh, no, man, I, uh, I'm, I think, I think I'm a terrible libertarian. I'll, I'll stay that right off the bat. I haven't been one for very long. And even then I'm not quite sold on all of, at least what I can keep up with. I've never been very political, like sure. right off the bat. Never, never really been into politics. I was in like um, my early, I was really into a punk phase, was in a punk band. I say phase. The phase lasted for like seven years. Um, but um, in that was like during the George Bush era. So 
oh, it's anti-everything that, you know, anti-flag or some 41 or, you know, Bouncing Souls told me to be against. And uh, it made sense to me. And then it just so happened to bleed into my adult life, too. And I was like, well, yeah, the government does kind of suck. I haven't, no one's come up to me with a good argument. I've been like, well, David, here's, here's why, here's, you know, roads. What are you going to do if there's no government? How are you going to drive your car on a road? Yeah. And I'm like, Ro- that's 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 the argument. Roads. We're going to go with roads. <laughs> um, cool. And so I think uh, I think just as somebody with a brain, and I I say this in, in jest. I, I, I'm joking now, um, but uh, I, I get it why people are in. Pl- I get it why libertarian the party itself flounders a lot. It's mm-hmm. not a lot of people out there who. Number one, critically think, but also feel ostracized when it doesn't come to like um like a tribe or a culture. You know, like our like I don't I don't quite fit into the square. Do I belong if I don't quite fit? And then because because you either change and fit into the square or you find yourself hanging out with people, you know, that might not view everything that you believe, but at least there's particular tenets, at least there's some principal standpoints mm-hmm. being like, Well, let's how about how about if how about we just not burn a compound in Waco. That might be. Let's just start there. Let's just not set <laughs> children on fire. We cool? Like that start mm-hmm. and then from there you kind of move on and start realizing like I like the idea that people have guns. I feel safer on guns. I mm-hmm. like the fact that people grow their own marijuana. I don't smoke. I don't I don't smoke marijuana. I've tried it. it wasn't for me. Um but I'm I'm just not in the duty to tell people like hey, hey you dirty hippie, stop smoking that Mary Jane because of because of what because of what like <laughs> so it's it's a control a control thing man i think i think when i talk to libertarians i think what i find in common sorry my dog is shaking my table oh, um, what i find in common is they all seem to be uh responsible for their mm-hmm. life and and that seems to be like the grounding principle of the people in whatever this movement is Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like it's it's people being like, uh, you know, the one thing I don't want is the government making the government making decisions for me, and that requires a lot of responsibility more than you know we're birthed with nowadays. And so that's that's what I think about libertarian. That's why I found myself is I was mm-hmm. like I I like the people who who tend to to pick up their own accountability, um, and so I just wandered my way into this group mm-hmm. on accident. So. That's, yeah, that's that, my explanation. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty interesting way to get there because um, I feel like there's almost two groups of libertarians and people who <laughs> live libertarian is that you have your group of people who kind of seek libertarianism as a means to is what some may say is like progressive ends is in like um they're seeking the alleviation of responsibility because they feel in the absence of a state that there's a lot less duty and responsibilities posed on them as to where some people perhaps like yourself and myself where we see this as the ultimate responsibility but we understand that we believe that we could take that responsibility on and be better stewards of our families and of our communities um absent government intervention um i don't think everybody can necessarily say that for themselves but um i think that's kind of the noble goal that we should all strive for and i think that's the message that that's been missing from libertarianism for quite a while i feel like ron paul touched on it a little bit but like i feel like over the last 10 years kind of like you said the libertarian party and even libertarians as a whole just kind of flubbed around but um, this message kind of sells. I mean, it's the rise of Jordan Peterson was telling people yeah. to you know take responsibility. Now, on your show, we did kind of talk about the different aspects of that and where it kind of goes wrong. But um, when it comes to taking responsibility for yourself, um, there's no you know that is your duty as a person. So I'm sorry, I kind of I, I went on a little bit of a no. uh, tangent there. But yeah, yeah, man. No, I think I think I think you're spot on. We can let's just let's just head on down this trail into mm-hmm. the weeds um so i think i think the one thing people think of when you start mentioning like responsibility for yourself mm-hmm. the bootstraps kind of feel i think people go well what about the people who can't mm-hmm. and and the libertarian stance has a a very good position on that it's just not widely spoken about from what i can tell mm-hmm. um it's a lot of just volunteerism and so it's like well what about so i have a i have a family member that it, it struggles we'll just say that in the easiest way possible and uh the last thing i'm going to do is leave her out in the weeds mm-hmm. i'm just not i'm just not going to do that and my fellow neighbor you know like if 
here's here's the weird thing when you don't expect the government to do all the things it, it's either going to be you or somebody else to come in and, and fill in the gap and everyone goes well what about you know what about those who can't be responsible for themselves i'm like well it's it's not as if because we we believe in responsibility and accountability that we're not empathetic mm-hmm. that we're completely in that volunteerism i just like the idea that you know if my elderly neighbor can't i live in the northeast she can't shovel her driveway um it, it's not required by me by the point of a gun to shovel her driveway mm-hmm. but i'm gonna do it uh because i'm accountable for me and my family and she's involved in that because in just proximity alone mm-hmm. and it, because it's the decent thing to do i don't need a government to come in and be like you need to and i also don't need to be like well it's her responsibility screw her she'll shovel it on her own or her grandson will come over and if he doesn't he's just lazy no it's it's I like the idea that people live up to their their better angels with mm-hmm. the freedom to do so. And if the government's always coming in to to pick up the upper hand, you know, say if they if they have a program, you know, the city comes in and shovels the drum, cool, that's great, taxpayer money. But that relinquishes the responsibility of me actually having the opportunity to be a good person. And I think the more the government's actually gotten involved in social situations, like anything, just. Um, all the things. Think about every government program. It, it takes away the responsibility of being like, well, it's my fellow man. Like, I actually care. Yeah. It, it it makes me a bad person because now I, I don't even consider my neighbors, you know, to hell with them. And so maybe, maybe that's leading me to libertarianism. But yeah. I think I think that has a lot, a lot to do with it. And people always like libertarians are always growing their own food and hunting their own animals. And they want all the guns and they just want to be left alone. Sort of. Mm-hmm. I like being left alone. Um, but when left to my own devices, I'm probably going to help my neighbor out, which is so it's 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 hysterical to think that it, without the government, people wouldn't be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. That whole like, dude, and I'm rant, I'm ranting now. Uh, that's OK. Um, and I had a friend on the podcast. It'll come out. And we were talking about anarchy and I, I'm I'm nervous about anarchy, <laughs> even coming from a punk rock background. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But the one thing that does uh, reside in the back being like, you know sometimes anarchy doesn't mean all the worst things happen mm-hmm. what about the best things that can happen without someone forcing you to do so and and i think there's there's an aspect of humanity that has been squashed because because of the authority that comes in and says you know what the one thing we do is make sure you're a good person but well, it gives me no opportunity to be one charitably on my own mm-hmm. and we've lost that dude we've lost mm-hmm. that in society people aren't friendly i mean how many videos that, and I'm on Twitter way too much. How many videos have I seen where someone's getting beat up in the streets and people are just filming? And you're like, well, what's wrong with society? You know what's wrong with society? Because if I defend that person, number one, I might go to jail. Or number two, I might end up on TikTok. Number three, it's not my responsibility. It's the cops. The cops are supposed to solve these problems, right? right. That's their job. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, we've lost all all control of the world around us. If, if And I'm still old school because I'm because I'm apparently old i'm a boomer at heart or something if i see somebody getting robbed in the street the last thing i'm going to do is pull my phone out and record it for what followers like what what do we what have we done to the generation that we've nerfed the words world so hard that all responsibility of society is removed from this generation coming up that the one thing they think about when someone's being hurt or or god forbid raped which we saw on a subway in new york and they watched it what what apocalyptic scenario are we living through now? And I would assume it's because the government's coming in and be like, well, we're we're the ones to solve these problems and sit mm-hmm. back and maybe film it for your TikTok. Well, there's a lot of outsourcing going on. There's kind of you were alluding to. So like, you know, over 2020, we were told to outsource our immunity if you um, catch my drift to a certain treatment. Um <clears throat> Women are told to outsource the fatherhood to the, uh, you know, the granddaddy state, and then you outsourcing the protecting of your neighbor to the police rather than doing the good, you know, the good work yourself or outsourcing, like you said, shoveling your neighbor, the little old lady's driveway because uh, plow truck's going to come get it. Well, once again, in the absence of a government or even just in common parlance where, you know, your day-to-day interactions, you're still going to do the right thing because I I think a majority of people are kind of good people, even if they're not like (coughs) inherently libertarian or anything like that. Some people are just like, you know, that kind of sucks for that person. And if I'm 
able and willing to help, I'm going to go help. And I think that's at the heart of a lot of people. And yes, there are bad people out there. Yes, there are evil people. And I think a lot of them tend to gravitate towards positions of power. But that being said, um, I do think a lot of people do kind of want the best for them and their neighbors. But we've just had so much outsourcing that it's no longer reasonable for people or at least they don't think it's reasonable to live up to these standards themselves when really um it's kind of we have alluded to on your show and not mine that um this is the ideal libertarianism is being a person of your community and living up to your responsibility and having this duty that you take care of the people around you yeah yeah actually i think that i think we we've actually kind of circle this point to to a good extent that where i i, I legit because i'm not so much in libertarian circles like i'm yeah. because I'm, I'm a terrible one i don't pay attention to even libertarian twitter i know that's a whole thing i have no idea what's i don't know who you're I don't, so much better I don't, off <laughs> I you're, no you're much much better off trust me I, I i actually am starting to believe that i think i'm better off if i just stay off twitter in general um yeah but but this this weird and this you brought this up the idea you know people in in power they're like they're a bit psychopathic like they're very narcissist but they also wear their intentions on their sleeves especially when they're like you know the only thing the only way to solve this housing problem for the homeless is we we tax the people and create housing because that's that's the only way i would help my homeless man is if i uh advocated sorry my dogs are hey no that's okay I, I, actually i don't even hear them uh, okay, good. well then I'll just let them. They're fighting over a bone. Um, anyway, so so the only way that they can conceive, and you can see this on people, not to like straight up blanket everyone who thinks this mm -hmm. way, but I think it's I think it's a, a a very good majority of people look at these problems and go, how do we solve this problem? And the first thing they think well, we need a government program, and the only reason I think they think that, especially people in political power, mm -hmm. is because they were no way were they even inclined to help out their homeless man without it being a program inclined to the government because if you really cared about people you would actually participate that way in your life instead of trying to well it's i can help that homeless man at the end of my street but but that's not going to help all the homeless. we need a government program it's like well, no if you till this garden maybe it affects the garden and the garden and so it's always you can always tell somebody who's uh obfuscating their own responsibility by going well there's a problem and the only way it's going to be solved if i get elected and i solve it with the government and you're like well you could have solved this one problem at the end of your street and you refuse to because you don't even think it's your responsibility it's not even that's not you're not empathetic you just you just like the idea that there's a virtue that you can uh get and simultaneously wield power combined what about helping somebody without it being a tiktok where you get millions of views like right. what about doing something that's a bit I don't know, altruistic um, without having the clout or I said, this is my bill. Look, it has my name on it. And so every time I hear, and this is, this is a bad habit of mine. Every time I hear someone being like, well, this problem would be solved with government. Like, no, this problem would be solved if you got off your, your quote unquote ass and did something personally. Um, and then maybe the government can come in and, and take a note from you. But to think that, sorry, I said ass. I don't know if that's okay. Um, but again, I think, I think, I think it, people show their 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 colors mm -hmm. in the way they they vote in the way they argue these problems. Again, feeding the homeless guy at the end of the street is not going to solve homelessness, um, but neither is the government because we've seen how well they've done. So I would say maybe not solve the homeless problem, but you can solve one for one guy. Maybe yeah. you know it, and that it, personal it, responsibility yeah. thinks it's a pain. It's a pain in the butt, dude. People mm -hmm. don't like it. Yeah, no, because it really holds up a mirror and lets you know where you are and where you're failing and yeah. what you should consider about yourself, which um, this kind of goes to an even larger point that I've really considered a lot lately is I see the culture war and even political dialogue <coughs> kind of get you know twisted up and where people really start to go at each other's throats so um i, I know i'm a little bit of a firebrand on twitter but though I, I think everybody who knows me in person and i appreciate that by the way just to <laughs> jump in you say the things that i would like i would never tweet that uh but i'm like well, i don't technically disagree and so i uh, yeah I'm, I, I mean i'm that I, guy in the yeah. background being like i don't also i'm not clever i'm not 
I'm not very clever on Twitter. And that's that's my um threshold for uh commenting on Twitter. If I think it's funny and it's clever, um and and I'm just not that quick. And most of the time I'm like, here's a good comment, and the post is like four days old. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I missed I missed the bandwagon. It, What's up everybody? Um we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, (laughs) like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut, and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash inliberty and health, and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys, thanks. It's it's kind of like uh, flexing a muscle, like you just yeah. kind of over time have to keep working it, and then eventually you kind of get the hang of it. And, and working in automotive shops now for uh, I can't believe it. Literally yesterday was ten years that I started at my first dealership making minimum wage. It's like unbelievable to me. So I mean, the sense of humor and like the the ball busting was kind of bred into me. But yeah. um, I, I I would like to believe that. People who interact with me know that I'm a pretty chill person. I'm not an angry person at all. And I would do just about anything for anybody if they asked sincerely. But um, the larger point that I think um, that we're kind of getting to now when it comes to dialogue in general is that when people call somebody a Nazi, when you call this person a demon, when you call them whatever name – Really, that should always hold up a mirror. Anytime you call somebody a name, you should hold up a mirror and think that that crazy woke leftist or this, you know, Bible ranting, gun toting redneck or Nazi or whatever you want to call them, you have to think that you would be that person in a given situation. We all would like to think that we wouldn't be that person that would be getting filmed, doing something stupid, but no, that would absolutely be every single one of us. If we were given the right circumstances in a certain time. And it is foolish to think that um, any one of us wouldn't be that person. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think, um, I mean, other than the idea, you know, that stupid cliche of being like, well, there's one finger pointing at you. There's four others or three others pointing back at, you know, the person pointing the finger. That yeah. stupid thing. But there is some truth to that. And mm-hmm. the idea of, of just projection in general. Yeah. And it's it's a psychological issue, you know, like if and there's you've I don't know if you've heard this, but I've, I've listened to a lot of things where people have been like, you know, one of the first signs that your spouse is cheating is if they start accusing you of cheating out of nowhere. And it's it's a psychological game that that we all play. Like we all do this. Like we're all um, somewhat paranoid when we know there's something wrong or something we're, we're guilty of. We're somewhat paranoid, so we're always looking for that. Like, oh, oh my, you know, like what if they notice? You know, it's it's like being perpetually high while the cop walks up. You know, it's like <laughs> um, not that again. I was like, I don't smoke, but I've I've been I've been around it quite a bit, mm-hmm. so I understand the idea of paranoia. And and I think. I think people are susceptible. We're all susceptible to that. Right. And and even in so I come from a Christian background. It's I mean come from I'm still a Christian. And there's there's a I mean I, there there's the biblical saying, you know, before you uh, accuse of someone's splinter in their eye, you know, pluck out the plank in your own. Yeah. Um that's the the whole point of that is because how how in the hell do you see a splinter in theirs if you have a a log? Like it's kind of one of those like there's, it's multi-layered. Like number one, be accountable. Don't be a hypocrite. Yeah. And number two, if you're if you're gonna go hard into the paint and be like, this thing is wrong, you better have your cards in order. Um, because I guarantee, like, ain't nobody getting out of this unscathed. We're all we're all when when we get six feet in the ground, ain't nobody coming out perfect. You know, like it's not. And so that that idea of of a self righteousness, which is what we see. 
and I could again Christian background. Um, and I just had a podcast with a friend of mine. It's going to come out right around the same time as this one. And we were talking about one of the reasons why I became political in 2018. And I started vote. I voted for Larry Sharp, and I started looking to the Libertarian Party because I wasn't political at all. Yeah. Um, but I did study because I studied theology and I started studying apologetics. So I got really deep into other religions because I was like, well, if I believe this Jesus thing, I better make sure that there's not a religion out there that's going to, again, I'm not going to point out splinters if I got a log of my own. So let me, let me study other religions. And people are always like, you shouldn't do that. That's you know against the faith. I was like, no, 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 no. If I believe this is truth, then the truth will withstand any other, anything else. So let me right. look into all the others. And in doing that taught me to be able to, if, if truth, it's not my job to hold up truth. Truth will hold up itself. I'm just in it for the ride to see what, what plays out. And then it wasn't until 2016, which we all know what happened in 2016. Yeah. I started, I started realizing that this whole, this whole world that we live in, you know, religion's kind of on the downturn. We've had, um, you know, the four horsemen of atheism and, and I, I was in through all that and I, read all their books and listened to their arguments. And then I noticed that all that shifted. No one talked about religion anymore. I used to bartend and there was like three rules. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about, uh, actually it was just two, I guess it was just politics and religion. Those are the two topics you don't bring up. And no one cared about religion in 2016. They only cared about politics. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is the new religion. Like this is, this is the new thing. And we've only seen that accumulate and grow and grow. And now we have literally... I think it's just cults. Like we're just in the world of yeah. cultism. And so everybody's got their prophets, their apostates, their creeds, their doctrines, the way you sin, the way you atone. It's all it's all the same, man. It's it's just it's just a repeat of religions over and over again. And without any kind of grace and mercy and truth that would last, um, it's it's fun to see people get really wrapped up in, in their their cult. And uh, and not step back and be like, you know, I might disagree with this, but God forbid I bring that up because then I'm I'm an apostate and I'm kicked mm -hmm. out. And then where am I going to find myself? The Libertarian Party? Oh my God! <laughs> how how awful would that be? I'd be politically homeless. Um, anyway, it's a long rant, man. Sorry about that. Oh, dude, you're good. You're good. So, um, a, a couple friends of mine have converted over to Orthodox Christianity, and I'm an agnostic. Yeah, um, yeah. I got a little bit of reading material that I just have not gotten to unfortunately yet but um that's fair one of the people that i was talking to about this i really like the way they presented this and um i didn't expect to take a turn down this alley here with you but i'm, I'm glad we, <laughs> we are can. because i've i've been really fascinated by this once again as an agnostic mind pretty much my entire life i was never religious um the, the nuanced view that the orthodox christians had kind of presented to me was basically like it's not you know, you can sin all week and then go repent and then, you know, you're good and then you yeah. get into heaven. It's basically the accumulation of all the good you've done in your life versus the accumulation of all the bad you've done in your life, which I think paints a much fuller picture in my mind. And when you die and go to meet the creator, um, it, it's going, you know, the some the summation the summarization whatever the hell the word is the totality of your life is going to dictate how that feels when you meet your creator which is just a very very fascinating thing to me and and religion yeah. was always fascinating in a lot of respects because like i always found like the die hard atheists very cringy because they would take everything out of the bible like word for word and say oh, there was no noah's ark there was no you know just two of each like no that's not the point you're missing the point this yep. is a story this is a theme you're supposed to take this and this is supposed to apply to other areas of your life right yep. this isn't supposed to be you read this and think that this is reality you're you're supposed to get a psychological lesson from some of the texts that are in the bible I, I think that's the significance of it not the fact that they said that there was a snake in a garden and then all of a sudden the woman realized she was naked and now we have you know insta thoughts and women twerking <laughs> on tiktok that that, yeah. that wasn't supposed to be the lesson that we took away but that's what some people take away and um something that you kind of laid out there earlier is that yeah it's just um I always, I always wonder if like religion is just 
boiling down these psychological phenomena that repeat throughout history or if it's religion that caused these like was it the chicken or the egg i don't think we'll ever know but like it's fascinating to think about because once again the, the themes in the bible are just meant to be um representative patterns that happen throughout history at least that's the way that i've interpreted what i know of it yeah i mean i um i i, I totally get that especially um, if you say you're an agnostic, I'm I'm a bit more um involved and in, in, in at least in delved in that thing. So I think what you're saying is absolutely true. I just okay. I think I would go. I personally do. I, mean, I personally go a little bit further. Like sure. I, I don't mind believing in the idea of the creation of the world. I don't mind believing in the snake in the garden. I had a buddy of mine growing up when I first not growing up, but when I was in early 20s, and he's he's a pastor now of a church, mm-hmm. and his big thing was like you know. I, uh, I was like the whole Bible I get, like I get all the new Testament stuff, especially the new Testament, but that old Testament flood thing and like the fire from heaven. I just, I don't see that being like plausible. And I was like, but you get the new Testament, right? And it's like, yeah, I know that I do. And I was like, so a guy was raised from the dead, but you don't get the flood. And he was like, well, yeah, no, it all kind of sounds crazy. Um, so you kind of either you throw the baby out with the bathwater, you kind of sign on to a few other things. And when it comes to, like, I don't know, Orthodox, I have a few friends that are Orthodox and I've read some Orthodox things. And what you said, it's not complete. I'm not going to school you. I'm not trying to let me yeah. tell you about Orthodox. I'm not. Yeah, that's not I, I'm that's... coming from a place of complete total ignorance. <laughs> and I fully admit that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fine. And I think I, I'll try to touch on like a few of the things that you said. I don't know if exactly that's the orthodox view. There's a lot of, uh, when it comes to merit, um, there's a lot involved. There's such a deep, you actually like cracked open a giant deep theological can. Um, so I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to go, I'm going to put the lid back on and go, it's not always about like how good you did and the accumulation, how much evil and how much good and then it's weighed out in judgment day in front of God. There's a lot of, there's a lot of whether or not you believe, especially in Orthodox, or at least in Christianity, whether or not you believe that that you weren't ever going to be able to be all the way good, um, that you're more inclined to do more bad than good in general, because good's way harder to do. It's that mm-hmm. that that narrow ro- road versus the wide road, and the wide road leads to hell, the narrow road leads to heaven, because the narrow road's hard to walk down. And so even at the end of the day of every everybody on earth, like, what did you do a lot more good than bad? Like, Probably not. I don't think anybody's actually did more good than bad because good's super difficult, man. And and it requires a lot of sacrifice. And so that's where a lot of Jesus stuff comes in, where you go, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I can I don't know if I can equate to weighing my own scales out. And so so the whole faith in Christianity is is Jesus comes in and he he thumbs the scale and goes, Don't worry, I, I took care of it for you. So as long as you believe I'm doing this and you believe in me and then you follow my my the way I'm going about it, maybe not eye for an eye. Maybe maybe if you lust after your neighbor's wife, then maybe you should consider that as a sin. You don't have to, you know, ch- cheat on your wife. Just lusting. Maybe maybe consider this a heart issue, not so much an action issue. Start looking at the heart instead of the action and, and I'll tip the scale in your favor. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a stupid <laughs> Joel Osteen way of, describing it but that's <laughs> that's the best i got man that's as far i don't again i don't want to jump into this can um full-fledged because we'll be here all, we'll be here for a while um yeah. but yeah man I, I i'm with you on that but yeah that that would be my take be okay my take. Yeah, yeah yeah i got you um so i, I guess we could pivot over to your i, I don't know what you do for work but um your time as an artist um this is one other thing that i found very interesting about you is that um for the people watching in video you have this picture of a plane and i'm guessing this is probably like more of your style um <coughs> I, I i don't want to no, put words to it yeah um <laughs> yeah actually i can so let me talk so this guy yeah. Um. It, it's one of my styles i have a few different ones i can try to do this let me let me do this real quick um so see that mandalorian up there and that wolf mm-hmm. that's another one of my styles and so i'll move it i'll move it back okay. um this this plane is i have a whole i don't even know why i'm going to this but either way you asked so this guy um i like doing stuff like this but this this painting's called um save me it's it's actually a picture of a, a particular 
it's i took scripture and a, a lot of my fine art stuff like this the the not comic book not mandalorian um not my i have a whole comic book stuff that i do and then i have my fine art stuff and it's all based off scripture and its interpretation of it and so this this entire thing is built off the idea of being like well the world's falling apart who's gonna save me and so it's it's kind of a juxtaposition of being like this whatever and the whole point the message behind this this painting behind me is whatever you think is going to save you probably be your downfall as well and so everybody's got planes everybody's got bombs so as much as you put your salvation in this guy chances are your defeat's going to come from it too and so um that was the whole message behind that but yeah i mean i i've been doing art for um for a long time um and and that's kind of where i got started but that's not my that's this is going to this is going to be a read coverdale moment mm-hmm it's not where I make my money because I'm I'm good, but I ain't that good. Um, <laughs> dude, I'm a subcontractor, so I spent all day laying tile today in a bathroom. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah so I'm... you you could afford the fuck out of me if you if, <laughs> if you didn't tell me that right now, I would have had no idea what you do for a living. Like most people, probably don't assume that I'm a mechanic. I just talk about it frequently enough that people know. But yeah, no, I would have never guessed that you uh, lay tile. It's because I'm I'm really good at that, and also I don't really post. And that was my other thing. Like I don't yeah. I don't really post uh, my social media. It's like here's the tile because I'm a subcontractor. I'm not much of a general. I work for yeah. general contractors, sure. and so I like I like uh, I'm good at what I do. So I keep work up. It, I mean that sounds arrogant, but it yeah. it really is. Um, but for all the fun stuff that I do, and one of the cool things about being you know, so my subcontract it's mostly uh, tile trim. I mean, I don't know if anybody cares about this, but I do like um, carpentry. So it's all finished work most of the time. I can frame a house. My dad was a carpenter and a pastor at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I was raised in church and on the job site, which actually really built me develop. Like it, it developed my brain into a really weird function. So you have a mm-hmm. bunch of drunks and outlaws. People are in jail yeah. during the day. And then and then I was raised in church at the same time. And so was he. And so we, he entered me into the job site, which is anything goes, you never know who you're going to meet. And then also having a, a biblical background at the same time, mm-hmm. really widened my scale of, of what is out there. So I, was, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually am very appreciative of being able to experience life that way. And then I end up going into doing bartending and that's where I, I developed to just kind of talk to people. I've, I've actually, I'm a licensed minister. I've I started a church I've, I've, I've preached before, um, I was in a punk band. I've done a, a bunch of stupid stuff, man. I just I'm all over the I'm all over the place. This is why I'm not I'm not a professional painter because got too much stuff. I got a podcast. I got too much stuff going on, man. Yeah, no, dude. And I um I don't know. I admire people like that who can kind of balance a whole bunch of stuff. Like uh, you know, I do the fitness stuff, geopolitical stuff. Um, yeah. you know, obviously music, um, the podcast, um, cultural stuff. Uh, you know, there's just so much to do and so much to learn. It's like, I just want to learn all of it. But then, you know, there's some things that, uh, and I don't know if you get, if you ever get like this, but like you see something going on or something that interests you and you're just like, I cannot take that on right now. Like I just have too much other shit bouncing around in my brain right now. I find myself doing that a lot. Even with like some political stuff that goes on, like this whole bank failure stuff. Um, (laughs) I I just looked at that. I'm like, I I don't know what I can like add or what I can learn from this, but um, you know, obviously I know the government's involved and the government more than likely fucked up with low interest rates and the federal reserve. Always. But like other than that, um, I, I don't think it's my place to sit here and learn about every last little freaking detail. Yeah, man, I actually, I agree with that too. And, and this is a bit of a critique on my own thing because, and I'll, I'm going to ask you a question in a minute because we're both podcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least I quotate myself as a podcaster. Um, but yeah, I I I struggle with the idea of I have too much on my plate. And so actually off to this side, actually I have my guitarist hanging on the wall because I was in bands that wrote music. I used to play guitar. And uh, and then I started painting. I recorded my own music. I, that's the only reason I know how to do a podcast is because I knew how to work a soundboard because I, I started recording stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been always all over the place. And uh and it, it took me a minute to stop and go, well, do I want to do art? Do I want to paint? Uh, do I want to write music? And I like to write, I write poetry. I like to write books. It sounds, I'm just, I'm just literally all over the place. Mm-hmm. Anything there could have been done, uh, then I do it. And um, I had to start cutting things out. And music was one of them. It, I had to just 
I had to kill that golden calf and just be like, I can't. That golden calf's not the right word. Um, there's a there's a phrase. I think it's in. <clears throat> I think it's in. I think it's in film or it's in writing. What they call killing. This sounds super awful. Sorry, listener. It's called killing your babies, like killing your children. Um, it's the things that you love that you have to let go of. I mean, like, I just don't have yeah. time. I just right. don't because if you have too much stuff. Um, but one thing I do want to ask you while I'm here, and I didn't get a chance to ask you while you're on my podcast, is you ever sit back and go, gun to your head, pick one. You ever think about that? Like, what would be, what would be the one thing? You can't do anything else. Can't be a mechanic. Can't play uh -huh. guitar. You have to pick one thing you're into. Fit, either you play guitar and no fitness. You just become a slob. Um, you ever think about that? Because I think about that all the time, man. I think, I think like. What if, what if it was just, I either write or I, you know, paint or I, you know, do music or I do pocket, if I had to pick one and, and I think it's a, it's a litmus test to find out really where your heart is. Mm -hmm. Do you ever think about that? No, I've, I've never thought about it, but as soon as you asked that, I knew exactly which one I would pick and I, which I, one? I music. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, if I had to guess yours, I'm going to guess art. Actually. <laughs> probably should be no i uh <laughs> because it's the only thing i've been somewhat successful with okay um it would be my inclination i love doing art like i love it um but the thing that i'd never put up is i write i write a lot like i spend a lot of time writing okay um and it's a big project but problem is because it's such a, a sacred cow a baby to me that i have a hard time putting it out art i'm like this guy that's good enough throw that out there and it yeah. happens to be decent enough but my writing is a struggle of mine. But I think if I was like, you had to do one thing with your life. And I'll tell you why, man. Because even if you think about like this art piece, and you were like, well, that's airplanes with bombs dropping. And then and then I have like a paragraph. Well, let me tell you what it's about. I could have done that with a, a page in a book. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, I think personally, my heart is leaning towards, I love, I love, I love, I just like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm still struggling with that um, yeah. because if they were like gun to your head, what do you want to do? If I picked writer under a bridge for the rest of my life, mm -hmm. probably a heroin addict. There's no way I'm getting out of that <laughs> unscathed and, and wealthy. There's no way. Um, yeah. Maybe I, with the art. I always say that like, if I could do this podcast full time, um, play music and do some personal training stuff, I would be like the happiest person on the face of the earth. But yeah. unfortunately, fixing cars pays the bills. And mm -hmm. I've done it now for a decade. So obviously, I've climbed the ladder a decent bit. And I'm sure you could probably relate. But you get into like this just right enough spot where like you're making enough money to keep your head above the water. But at the same time, like you can't afford to quit and start all over because <clears throat> you would just get annihilated. Or at least that's the way it is for me. Yeah, I um. I actually, and I, I, because my podcast has a lot of, somehow this turns into similar to what mine is, because I talk to a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I, I always have in the back of my head, especially when, when young artists come up, and I had a gallery for a little bit of a time, and and uh, people come and they bring their art. I always had artists come in, especially if they're younger, or not younger, but newer artists mm -hmm. from like 40s, but they just started. And uh, they're like, well, what, what, what's your best advice? And And one of my best advice was keep your day job. Because the only thing that's going to keep you making things that are genuine is by making sure it's not your full-on paycheck. Same thing with like podcasting. If this was my if this was my full-time job, I would have to probably sacrifice a lot of my principles just to make sure that paycheck came in. But because mm -hmm. my paycheck comes from tiling or, or crown molding in your kitchen, yeah, um, I can paint whatever the hell I want, mm -hmm. and because I can paint whatever I want and do it with my own freedom. And, or have any guests I want on the podcast or, you know, write anything that I want. I'm not a slave to anything because my paycheck comes from, now I can't tile anything I want. I can't cry. I can't do whatever I want. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm utilizing that to fuel my passions and, mm -hmm. and sometimes duty, duty and passions coexist together. And yeah. the more you, the more the duty, uh, relinquishes the, the relinquishes the pressure on it, their passions get to thrive. And so I always tell artists, don't quit because you'll end up doing commissions for paintings that you hate. And, uh, and you're going to be like, well, and I, <laughs> I had someone ask me like, well, I, I really love, I really love, I don't even know what sports theme it was. Can you paint me Wrigley field? 
And I was like, nope, <laughs> there's no way I'm painting Wrigley Field. It's just, yeah. it, number one, it's not my theme. It's not my style. And it sounds awful. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, no, I'll, I'll continue to put crown molding and, and tile people's bathrooms before I paint Wrigley I say that now until I get fired. And then, yeah, sure. Hell yeah, I'll paint Wrigley Field. You know? yeah. When do you want it by? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you uh, mentioned that because, like, people will ask me about side work on cars, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> don't want to do it. I want no. nothing to do with work outside of my, you know, a seven to uh, four job. And uh, when it comes to, like, music stuff, I, I don't want to learn Jimmy Buffett. I don't want to fucking learn um, Tom Petty. I fucking hate Tom Petty. Um, I don't want to learn Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I'm going to play heavy motherfucking music, and I'm going to fucking love every last little second of it. My singer's awesome. My yep. bass player's awesome. My drummer's awesome. My other guitar player's awesome. And I sing well enough with my singer, and I, I, I fucking love it. But, I mean, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe we wouldn't have the same drive that we do if that was kind of like our main deal but you know i don't know uh, i you know you also look at uh some of the greats throughout time um in my mind pantera is always like the number one metal band to ever walk the face of the earth and it's like those guys made a living from doing that and they were just untouchable but maybe that's what separates um most bands from other bands is that like you know, there's the guys who understand this is a job and this is a grind. And then there's the guys who just absolutely love it. And they just, they're just that Pareto principle that, you know, top 1% yep. that just knock yep. it out of the park. And you see this with like Metallica too. I mean, that same deal. They're the biggest fucking band on the face of the planet now. So, um, you know, it's a really, really interesting thing that you kind of brought up there. And I've never considered any of that. Well, the th the weird thing is, and this is where I struggle with it, because all of my favorite people who do, I guess, do the things that I enjoy, um, they're all experts in those things. And, you know, you have the whole cliche, you know, uh, uh, good, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And I worry about that with my own personal life. Like, I'm sure. really good at laying tile. I'm really good at pin crown. I'm really good at customer service. I'm not bad at podcasting. It's probably the least. I'm I'm, I'm really good at art. All I mean is I'm pretty good at art. I'm I'm a decent writer. I can write poetry. Um, I can I can do whatever I want to do. Um, and I've always said this, and this is something maybe you can maybe you can give me your your insight on. My tile, uh, me like doing the thing. My my tile. So I'm in someone's bathroom. I'm remodeling their bathroom. I'm not just doing time, I'm doing all the things, but I'm remodeling their bathroom. But that requires a, a heavy hand in customer service. And a lot of times it's like a master bathroom, like it's someone's actual bedroom bathroom. And so I'm in their very intimate space. Like I'm in, I'm walking through their, their master bedroom. I'm in their house a lot because these projects last for a decent minute. And so you have to really build up that customer service. You need to be able to talk to people to make them feel safe, make them feel comfortable, make them feel confident in going, okay, so this isn't going to be on whatever they you know contracting nightmares or whatever i'm not going to end up on a tv show where my whole house floods and the guy runs off with a new truck that he billed me for or something like yes. that so you, there's but that actually plays into public speaking which i've done before and and relating and having podcast episodes where i, I talk to strangers artists from across the world where i sit down and go hey tell me about your craft i got to be able to keep that going and make them feel comfortable enough to where they share enough like i have you on and, and you have me on like we have to be able to communicate these things even as a mechanic the last thing people think about same with contractors dude um when i get uh when i bring my truck into a mechanic i'm like they're gonna screw me i just don't know how much <laughs> you know like that's the first mm -hmm. and i would assume they think the same thing for contractors and so the one thing i want to do is number one not screw them but also make them feel comfortable enough to where they would want to come back think mm -hmm. you know like this is a comfortable thing that works into my podcasting, but the tile part, the attention to detail, the way the lines line up, the small things, those things are appreciated by the customer. They're also appreciated because I do art. And so same with music, like everything that you do, again, we're not, I'm not strictly an artist where I'm not just like Picasso or whoever is out there nowadays. Yeah. I'm way more well-rounded because I've talked to artists before and they can't, they don't, they're not good at conversing. They're just not good at conversing, dude. They just mm -hmm. don't have that personal skill and so where i've sacrificed on the art thing maybe i'm not the greatest artist of all time but i can have a conversation 
and I can lay tile and maybe all these things help each other. I might not be the best at that thing, but I am extremely well-rounded and so are you. And mm -hmm. I think, I think that's an underrated thing. Everyone thinks that you need, we live in the day of the day and age of experts, trust the experts and mm -hmm. these people that are only strictly one faceted it is so rare to find somebody who's so good at doing multiple things. And those people, those are the nuanced individuals. Those are like the Joe Rogans or whatever. Those mm -hmm. are the people that can actually deal with multiple things at once and parse them out and go, well, this helps this. And like, I can be, you know, this and I can do this and I can, I can do all these things. It's dude. It's just Renaissance men. We're just, it's just <laughs> Renaissance men. That's all it is. And it's, uh, we live in a world that no one does this anymore. No one does multiple things. We're, it's, it's a unique in its own right. Yeah. It's just unique. Yeah, and it's interesting because we have so much available to us, but um, in some ways, it's almost like you have paralysis by analysis where some people just absolutely freeze and um, they don't know what to do. Um, for me, like I said earlier, I just want to keep doing stuff. Like I want to play more music. I wish I had more hours in the day so that way I could spend more time at the gym and then obviously spend time with my wife and our dogs and um, you know, spend time writing music and then spend more time doing this and mixing it. But like, you know, you only got like 16 to 19 hours in a day that you're awake and then you have to rest for yeah. a little bit. And I mean, if you don't get sufficient sleep, then I mean, there's tons of other health um, detriments that I'm starting to learn as I get older and older, unfortunately, it, it, that, that's yeah. kind of came as a hard lesson. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting because it's like I said, there's some people who are just going to remain intellectually um, lethargic and there's going to be some people who are going to just go and do all of the things. And I find the people who try and do all the things and can do a lot of them good to be much more interesting than the uh, one trick ponies. Although like not to dog on people who are one trick ponies per se, but um, you know, you understand what you're getting with those people. And like you said, I do appreciate the nuance. So like it, if people read my Twitter, yeah, I may be going to people's jugular sometimes when it comes to foreign policy, but um, you'll never see me not make a point without trying to insert the proper amount of nuance, especially if somebody's confused afterwards. Now, if you're being a dick afterwards, then I'll either block you or I'll, <laughs> you know, clap back. But um, yeah. I always try to add sufficient nuance so that way my point's clear and um, you can understand where I'm coming from. And obviously I try to always um, explain my bias in something. So that way, you know where I'm coming from, because I think that's important as well. All right, everybody, we're going to take a little break from the show real quick to tell you about the show's sponsors. I am now working with the great Stephen Fox to bring you Fox and Sons coffee. As you can see, I got two bags right here, or for those listening, I was holding two bags. Um, it is organically roasted up in Michigan. If you're a caffeine addict, much like myself, um, then head over to foxandsonscoffee.com to get yourself some of their fantastic coffee. They got a light roast, which I'm holding in my hand. Um, they have the electric boogaloo blend, which is fantastic as well. I just had it this morning. And if you're like me, you like dark roast coffee, which kicks you right in the freaking face first thing in the morning. Um, they have that for you as well. So head over to foxandsonscoffee.com. Use code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, to get yourself a little discount. Let them know that I sent you. And um, get yourself caffeinated, get jacked and tan, and do what you got to do. All right, guys, back to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I mean, again, that comes back to to a communication skill and twitter obviously is not for communicating no not at all like that's not the platform mm -hmm. to communicate on but it does come to an idea like what's the end goal the end goals i mean at least for like i've watched twitter like i'm i'm, I'm a lurker mm -hmm. and so i just pay attention because you show up on my feed and I, and I and i think i'm like well you're not going to gain followers from what you do what you're doing is is just moving the ball in a direction it's like playing soccer, I guess, is the best thing, or pool or whatever. Yeah. It's it's, and I like that. So I'll I'll do the same thing on Twitter. What my, my the way I interact on Twitter is definitely not to, dude. So let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell you how I failed in this. But the idea is to move the ball just to let people know in the room, people who read Twitter, go, hey, by the way, you're not the only one who's thinking this, and you might not have the balls to say it. Someone else does, just so you know that you're not alone in this world of crazy, because the, the the lunatics are running the asylum. So at least we have people who are outspoken about it. And um, and I fail at this miserably. And so recently there was a there's a whole thing about I live in I live in upstate New York. I live in New York. We'll just stay in New York. And um, Governor Holchel 
uh, <laughs> just said something. She put on a thing. It was like a um, recently. It was like last week, and it was a conference, and she was there talking to like I don't I don't even remember who it was, <clears throat> and um. And it was, I mean, no one really comments on Governor Holter. No one really even comments on, if you're from New York, chances are you're not on Twitter unless you're like Brooklyn Dad Defined or whatever, uh, or AOC. I don't know. Those yeah. are the, me, AOC, and Brooklyn Dad, the, we're the three people in New York that tweet. Um, <laughs> but she was doing a thing and, and everyone was sitting in chairs and they're all talking and she was meeting with people and taking pictures. And it was a whole Twitter feed of, of pictures and her doing whatever. And I just commented under, I was like, not a mask in sight. And I spelled insight wrong on purpose because I'm I'm an idiot. Um, I did it on purpose. I was like, because this, this makes sense. And I said, shameful. I said, not a mask in sight, shameful. Mm. And I was like, this is a funny joke. Like three people liked it. But then someone liked it and retweeted it. And it was New York State Civil Rights something. It was like, and they took me serious. And I was like, cool cool it was some kind of social justice new york yeah. state social justice company and they were like this guy spot on there really is no mask in sight how dare they and i was like i'm, I'm so bad at twitter that they took me seriously and i misspelled insight um I did yeah, not what, one of my uh one of my favorite tweets that actually got a decent bit of traffic was uh it was Trump and Fauci talking about lockdowns in 2020. And I just oh, tweeted God. out, I, I tweeted out, I said, good thing we are uh, good thing. We elected Trump in 2020 or else we wouldn't have had, or else we would have had lockdowns or something like that. And yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of people started retweeting <laughs> it. I'm like, they, they get my point. And yeah, um, yeah you gotta, you gotta find a way to be clever. And I am pretty long winded at times. So like learning to use Twitter in short form, was pretty beneficial for me because I'm able to kind of boil down big ideas into small bite-sized tweets and try to make a point without being long-winded. I think it's really good for that. So when I saw like the 4,000 <coughs> character limit, I'm like, I, I don't, I, I think it takes away from Twitter. Dude, it's actually, and I'll say this back onto the art thing. Um, okay. That wordsmithing is it art in itself. Like, and you can see this. Some people on Twitter are very good, whether they're for your side or not. If they yeah. they can articulate a sentence with inside the characters, mm. and again, even if you max out 140, no one's reading that. If you can do it precisely, and mm. and and that's like that is a skill on its own. I've watched people do it. They yeah. they're very quick and quippy and and clever all at once, and they but their point is made strategically. Yeah. And I'm like, these people know how to write. And so if you're if you, the way you do it and the, like, I wish I was as good as all the other people and I, I follow all the same people you follow. And some of them are just they're and they're just so good at it. And I'm like, that's a good writer, but that's an art skill of its own. That's, mm -hmm. that's how you communicate with one line. It's like being a comedian, being able to do a one liner and say, compact all of that into one statement. Um, it's, it's, a, I love it. And that, I think that might be why I like Twitter so much because mm -hmm. it's an art form of its own and to watch people utilize it and do it well, um, something I admire and that I would really like to get to, I would love to give me a year, man. And I'll, I'll be slightly better than I am. <laughs> we'll be anywhere near you or anybody else, but I'll be, uh, I'll be closer. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of working that out because it took me a while to finally get on the Twitter game and figure out how to kind of get get it going and it's it's yeah. dumb and i i kind of i like their algorithm more than i like facebook's algorithms because like facebook algor algorithms i you're you're fucked like no matter what you yeah. try to do yeah. you will get zero traction on facebook especially if you put a link in there gone nobody sees that that shit gets buried and, and yeah, I, I, I can't stand that um i want to be respectful of your time this hour flew right by man um, okay. We'll definitely have yep. to do it again. Um, so I, a question I ask people because I, I like to hear their response and kind of see what gives them hope would be what gives you hope because I, I think it's something that we all need and to hear optimism out of people is um, greatly appreciated on my end because not that I'm a negative person, but I like to try to share optimism with people as much as possible. Oh, so like, what's my white pill? That... Yeah, what's your white pill? What gives you hope? Um, beside the Jesus thing, I mean, I'm not, I'm not put. Let's get Jesus out of the way real quick. <laughs> Stuff off the side. Um, I think it's pretty easy. <clears throat> um, 
do you know that saying that I don't even know who said it, but like, uh, we know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. Mm. We know that they know they're lying. That we know they we know that they know that we know they're lying, and they do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That saying it, it's terrifying. It's just so I, I wish I knew who said it because I'm. But either way, I think here's the cool thing about the way, at least my my religious beliefs. I believe I believe truth and reality are transcendent. I don't think I don't believe in relativism. I don't believe in people having my truth. You have your experiences for sure. But reality exists outside of everybody. There's there's a set rule and law. Gravity is there. I mean you can do whatever you want, but but there is a right and wrong. There's something transcendent to morality. There's something transcendent to just reality in general. So there I believe in absolute truth. I believe there is a truth and exists beyond our manipulation. Now we can interpret it and we can utilize it. We can mold it to whatever we want and, and prove our arguments with it, but it still exists outside of us. And I think most people know that most people are looking at that, but the thing that's coming against that is a social contagion of saying that, no, 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 that doesn't exist. And, and whatever we say as a society, if we come together in the majority, the populace say that this is, this is truth. And dude, don't, don't tell me like this is not plagued in every aspect of what we're dealing with now. We don't even know what's up. And Nietzsche talked about this in his, his poem. Of, I mean, Frederick Nietzsche, he wrote a poem um, and, and he talked about the death of God. And I'll, this is a long rant, by the way. I hope, hope you all buckle up. Um, he wrote this poem about the madman. He goes into a church. He has a lantern. He throws a lantern down and says, we... God is dead and we've killed him. But then he goes into this diatribe about the idea that since God's dead, then we don't know what's up or down. We we took a sponge and wiped away the horizon. So we don't know what's up and down. We don't left and right. And all we can do now, because there's nothing transcendent, is all we have to do is we have to create games to make things sacred. We have to believe God does exist. It's just of our own creation because we killed him. He's dead. This the, the He even says like the church is just a a tomb of a thing that's well lost and because we've killed god the blood's on our hands it's our responsibility to be god thus we have to create all things right through our aspect and he's talking about society we need to come together as a society because obviously i mean he was not a christian by any means because god is dead we don't have him to rely on anymore we have to create what morality is and we've seen what has happened since then it's now all things are are mismanaged they're thrown apart we don't know who to trust do you wear a mask do you not wear a mask do you get a shot do you not get a shot all the experts are lying or they're just dumb we don't know who's an expert we don't know who's right who's wrong all we have is our like five senses and our intuition and so you can tell me my my lying eyes are deceiving me but at least i have an intuition and and that intuition thing is just an idea of transcendent truth long long range short i think people know what's true and what's not I mean, despite the complications of whether or not it's religious or secular or political, you know what's right and wrong. And I always bring this up to people, but like, do you, morality, let's take something simple, like what's right and wrong? Would it, what's better? Is it better to give a homeless man a sandwich or kick a baby? Should be a pretty easy answer. And if it's a difficult one, then I, I'm going to keep my kids away from you. But that concept, I think, is lost today. I think people are sitting back going like, well, I know it's truth, but all these other people are telling me that I'm a racist bigot for buying coffee, which we saw today. Um, there's a whole article out saying that buying coffee is racist. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> but I think my white pill is the idea that we all know, dude, we, all, we all know the emperor has no clothes. Mm-hmm. We're just waiting on the strong people to stand up and say so. And so my white pill is the idea that I know you know I know they know, and I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for all the right people to stand up and go, we know this is, we know this is bullshit. Mm. And now we all have the courage to say so. And, um, and I'm, I have a podcast. I'm, I make art and, and I'm doing my own participation, but my white pill is the idea that there's no, the, the squeaky wheel has gotten all the grease and we all know that this thing is, is circling the drain and there's a few of us going like we saw this and we were kind enough to let you run uh with whatever theme you thought and now that we have now that we have uh drag shows for kids we're all stepping back going like we we let the 
the dog wrung on the leash for long enough. Now we need to pull back to what really is true. This is not good. And I think everyone knows that. I think I think we have truth. I think people who are inclined to the idea of trend, at least we all know what's good. We all know the truth. Mm-hmm. And and that's my white pill is I know that you know. And if you don't know, there's plenty of other people out there that know the truth. Like it's, it's pretty obvious. It's transcendent. It's not something you can manipulate. So that uh, long story, that's my white pill, dude. Truth is 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 there. Just people are choosing to ignore it. Nice. That's um, it, man. Yeah, be- What's your white pill? Can I ask you what your white pill is? Um, I would say life. I know that's a very, very generic answer, but um, that's garbage. Give me something better. (laughs) No, no, no. I'll I'll elaborate. Um, There's a line in a Shadows Fall song, and I think about it all the time. Um, There's a song called Still I Rise off of Shadow Nine's or Shadow Nine, Jesus. Shadows Falls 2009 album retribution and the track is called still our rise and yeah the line i always remember from from that song is um the greatest gift that we have is the life that we're given and yeah. i think about that all the time the fact that i get to wake up at 4 30 in the morning and then go cook my breakfast and then go to work and then come home to my wife and my dogs after you know an extremely brutal workout where i hate my life there at the very very low end of leg pressing 500 pounds and putting it back up and then standing it up and you know feeling the blood you know work its way all throughout my body and then yeah. laying my head on the pillow at night and just experiencing life you know yeah. um i was talking to somebody the podcast is going to release tomorrow and um, by the time this comes out it'll be two days prior um I remember the moment right before I got married, counting the seagulls on the beach <laughs> mm, <laughs> while, yeah. before I was allowed to turn around to see my wife or yeah, well, yeah. my soon to be wife. And um, just thinking about the the moments in life that I'm most grateful for and the fact that I can continue to make moments like that and that there will be many more moments like that for me, for you and for everybody else. I think that's what we should focus on and then how we can cultivate communities that bring out the best in everybody um i know that sounds pretty hoity-toity and like pie in the sky but um Mm -hmm. it's a noble goal and i think it's one worth pursuing and that's what gives me hope that's a good answer man that um that gratitude thing goes along a longer way than people expect it i'm I'm with you on that one matter of fact that's a better answer than mine i i like i like the i like that idea you know especially dealing with how chaotic the world is if you're grateful for the little things it's um and we i think we talked about this on the previous podcast. just just the small things man that kind of makes life worth living for you know yeah and and that that gratitude not always thinking that you know the world's owed you something or you're defeated by it but being thankful for the things that you do have because you know what else is there Mm yeah what else is there good good call good answer man (laughs) better than mine it's fine Oh, no, I'm dude, stealing yours good. from here on out. I'm gonna be like, you know what? No one's told me this, but you know, gratitude really is the white. <laughs> well, well, you you uh you were able to boil it down to one word rather than a, a large um I don't want to say unhinged, but a large um you know kind of hoity-toity rant. Uh, hoity-toity, dude! I said a transcendent truth from uh, an omniscient <laughs> God. How do you get more hoity-toity than that? Yeah, dude. Fair um, enough. Um, David, uh, where can everybody find you? What do you got cool coming up? And um, any plugs that you want to give before we uh, close her out? Yeah, man, I'll just I'll throw my tags out there. If you want to follow me on on Twitter and get my uh my my best effort, it's Pardonable Art. Same on Instagram. You can see my art at Pardonable Art. And if you want to follow me on my podcast, um, you can go to YouTube at Pardon Will or look at Pardon Will Podcast. Same on Rumble, mm-hmm. um, and obviously Apple, Spotify, all that, all that good jazz. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, but yeah, you can hear me talk to artists about art. And uh, I mean, I've ventured off now. I've had Kyle on. You gotta go listen to that podcast. It's great, uh, yeah. great time. And so, yeah, man, that's it. You follow me, and uh, that's it. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you hanging out to chat. Like I said, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime. And do yeah, it, dude, always. if you, yeah, if you don't got anything else, we'll uh, close her out. Let's close it out, man. I'm good to go. I think I think we're good. <laughs> Hell yeah, man.